In this episode, I'm going to give you a few tips on some everyday carry items carrying on from our part one of EDC, Everyday Carry a Different Way, that we did back in the beginning. We'll look at a few common items, things you should be prepared for, what to look for when you're buying these items, how to be safe, how to practice with them, how to carry them comfortably and make sure that we're only carrying things that we know how to use. We'll also look at a few pros and cons of some items, discuss ways you could probably get some training very cheaply, how you can expand your knowledge base and make sure that you have the best things with you every day that you need to survive any situation that you might find yourself running into. That's what we're going to talk about right here on Gray Man, Hiding in Plain Sight. This is episode 30 of Gray Man, Hiding in Plain Sight, where we talk about the Gray Man concept. We're going to talk about everyday carry items, or EDC, which sometimes I think might mean something else to some people. I'm a big fan of training, including remedial training, corrective training, and even everyday repetitive training on things that we're going to use most of the times in our life. First thing I always recommend to people is to never carry or pretend to know how to use things you really don't know how to use or haven't put an adequate time and practice into using. Just doing something once or a few times at some little camp out or taking a class doesn't necessarily make you proficient even if you pass the test. It takes regular training for most of these items that we carry, especially when they're important to protecting our life, the lives of others, or saving the lives of others. I want to start by looking at one of the cooler items people like to get today. You can find these anywhere. Actually, some are very well made. They're called the EDC pen, tactical pens. Basically, it's a writing utensil, but they're usually made from high-grade aluminum, steel, or even titanium, and they're used as an offensive or defensive weapon. They're not just meant to be used as a writing instrument. And to use them to write typically sucks anyway. Most of them are very poor writing instruments. While it's always cool to have fun toys and things that can do more than one thing, I don't recommend buying an EDC pen that has more options and ideas on it than what the pen's meant for. There's actually a really cool pen out there. I'd tell you what it was if I could think about it right now. Not off the top of my head, but you'll probably see it. it has about 12 or 15 moving parts. has little saws and all kinds of little screwdrivers and things. It's almost like uh, one of those little screwdrivers that you can attach a bunch of bits to. I think that's kind of worthless, so I don't understand why people might want it or why people buy it. A pen is something I think you should buy just simply for what it's for. It's simply used as a weapon, and you want one that is strong and capable. You know, mine, for example, is made by Charade. I don't remember the exact nomenclature of it, but it is a Charade pen with only two parts. It's actually one of two, I think, now, that actually can get through TSA and on an airplane, which is important for me because I travel sometimes by plane and I like to have a writing utensil and I purposely take this pen. The other thing is I look at the pen as more than a weapon. I mean, it's unlikely, but let's say, for example... I was using it while traveling on an aircraft, and I happen to be one of the stories where the plane goes down in the jungle. It's a strong tool, and it has some capabilities, and one thing about this pen over any of the other ones is it will break right through a coconut. Now, that's not why I bought it, but I'm just saying that it is strong, and it is durable, and it is well-reviewed, and I've carried it for years, and I've used it many, many times. The thing to note, though, is that when you have an EDC pen, if you're carrying it, not because it's cool, but because you think you'd have to use it as an offensive or defensive weapon, you need to know how to use it, which means you need to have some skill and some sort of hand-to-hand fighting, especially with an unedged weapon or an edged weapon, anything from a knife to a kabotin, any type of control device, or any type of other weapon that's not a firearm. And you need to understand these things can be lethal. 
I don't think a lot of people, even in the heat of the moment with adrenaline, if they were carrying a knife but didn't feel their life was in danger, would necessarily strike somebody in the head because they just realize that's a bad idea. The problem with the pen is somebody's not going to think that far into it. And they're very likely to strike somebody somewhere and hurt them much more than what they want to or need to in that situation and probably get themselves in trouble. With this pen or pens like it, if you were to strike somebody right in the skull, it wouldn't be hard to puncture their skull and hit them in the brain, causing damage to such a point that aside from screwing up their life, which may not be necessary and probably isn't, could put you in jail for a very long time. The point of that is to say this, regardless of what you think you're capable of or what training you get or how much confidence you have, you need to know what your tools are actually capable of in anybody's hands. And these pens can be very dangerous. They're very useful and great tools, especially if you know how to use them. But a strike in the wrong position can cause irreparable harm or damage that might put you in the wrong, regardless of the situation. Another common item people carry sometimes for EDC in this country is a firearm, typically a handgun. I just got a few tips about handguns. I get it's people's right. I'm all for it. Just make sure that you practice and put your time in. I personally don't believe, and I'm going to tone these numbers down. So these numbers are very, very low based on the training I've had and training I've seen people go through, people that are professionals. So this number is very small, but to some of you it might seem quite high, but it's to put some seriousness and some responsibility on your end. I don't think anybody should carry any firearm they haven't put at least 2,500 rounds through on a range, preferably doing drills for two-thirds of it. I also believe that if you have a specific firearm you carry and you've done that and you put the time in and then you decide to carry a different one another day that you should follow the same protocols you did with the first one. Part of the reason is too is we need to get used to that firearm as well as the rounds we're using. Do understand that if you're buying what we call target ammo, cheaper ammo, and you're putting your 2,500 rounds down range on a, just a regular range being safe shooting targets, and then you carry a completely different type of ammunition, you're making a mistake. One thing I always recommend is if you can't afford to shoot your carry ammo, which a lot of people cannot, that you take 10 rounds to 15 rounds, depending on your magazine size, and your last magazine of training for every time you go shoot, you should be shooting your carry ammo so that that's the last thing in your memory and that what you're used to based on whatever training you did that day, even if it's just trying to hit the bullseye. There is a difference in ammo, and while most shooting situations, especially in this country, are very, very close range, you need to understand what those bullets are capable of. You should also be shooting different types of barriers or through barriers with them once you have the ammunition and the time available, whether it's plywood walls or something similar to the construction of your house or something around vehicles if you have that capability, as well as blocks of wood and different types of outdoor environments if you're able to do so, because it's not feasible for everybody to understand what the ammo is capable of. Just know that if you're not shooting any of your carry ammo at all, the only thing you're really training yourself to do is to shoot that target ammo, and carry ammo is going to be better in a life or death situation. If you can't afford to carry ammo, totally get it. But I just want to say, work yourself up to the point where you can burn off some of that carry ammo right there at the end. The other thing, too, is when you're carrying a firearm, typically you're going to carry it in a holster. We sure hope you're carrying it in a holster. Please don't carry it in your pocket unless it's designed for that. Even then, you need to practice with it. Once you're financially able to, you need to get a holster fitted for that specific make and model of firearm. Universal holsters are usually not made that well. Yeah, they can work, but they can be a bit dangerous and clumsy, and it's better to have a good fitted holster just like wearing a good pair of gloves or a good pair of shoes. 
Throwing a pistol in a universal holder and carrying it to me is no different than being a little kid trying to wear your dad's boots and walk around the house or go play. Seems fun and easy, but it's not the best plan. The other thing, too, is in a real-world situation, you got to remove that firearm from the holster. So during your 2,500 rounds, make at least 1,500 of those rounds, removing it from the holster and firing. The other thing, too, is if you're going to carry a weapon every day, you should practice with it every day. You should practice drawing it even five times in the morning. Make sure you know where it is on your body. The other thing, too, is when we carry them, it's like any other type of gear or tactical gear. It takes a little time and practice to get used to figuring out what you want. Like for myself, I have several types of holsters for several types of firearms that I own. A lot of them are just ones I've tried out, ones I've tested, ones I've worked with or carried that were great before better ones were made, and I get used to the idea of which ones work best for me. Part of it, too, is for how comfortable they are. So I have a couple of firearms that I carry on a regular basis that each have two types of holsters. One firearm, I have an appendix carry and a side carry. And the other one, I have two side carry holsters. One's Kydex, one's not. The reason for this is depending on what I'm doing and what I'm wearing. So it's not much about the gray man thing as much as being comfortable. One of the things people don't think about with a holster is what it feels like when you're sitting down in a chair, especially an automobile. So as cool as it might be or seem to carry a certain type of gun or a certain type of way or a certain type of holster, you need to figure out what you want, try wearing it around the house, on your couch, in bed, in your office chair, and especially in your automobile. Figure out where is it going to be the most comfortable and realistic. Another thing, too, is a lot of times in most cars in America today, most newer cars, have some sort of center console. So it's a lot easier to carry a weapon on your hip when you have like a truck or something without a center console because there's plenty of room there. But the center consoles are usually crammed right upon you. And this is more important for the average adult male or larger female to any bigger person it tends to start taking up space and becomes more uncomfortable. And you need to be aware of that because there's a lot more space in most vehicles between your hip and a door than there is your hip to the center console. So that's where you really need to test it out. And you need to think about how often are you driving? I drive every day, but I only drive five to 10 minutes to work. Okay, that's completely one thing. If you're a person who drives 30 to 40 minutes to work or drives cross country regularly, you need to realize what it's gonna feel like and how comfortable it's gonna be to wear that weapon on your body the whole time. Sometimes I know people that carry handcuffs. My recommendation is unless it pertains to your profession, especially law enforcement, I don't recommend carrying handcuffs. Most people don't even know how to use them. If you want to carry handcuffs, that's great or keep them in your vehicle. I have them in there. Best thing you can do is take a class. There's plenty of classes available through law enforcement or security agencies in most states, as well as private training that you can take a class for a day for a few hours and learn all about handcuffs how to properly store them, how to use them, how to put them on a person, different ways to control people. And that's what you need to know if you're going to use handcuffs. Because there's plenty of situations where you could use them, but it's better to have the training. It not only helps you in court, it also makes you more efficient and safer with them, not only for yourself, but that other person. Something to realize, though, is if you're going to have handcuffs, there's a difference between having them and carrying them all the time. So if it's not in the regular performance of your duty, and even if it is, like in one of our previous podcasts, I mentioned, hey, if you're carrying handcuffs, somebody sees them, they might think you're a cop. And don't use that as a good thing. Don't use that as like, a, oh, yeah, I'm a cop, because the second you get in that mindset, you're going to say something you shouldn't and be impersonating an officer. So it's not about being cool. It's about having the right stuff that you know how to use. Something else a lot of people carry or they keep in their carry bags is going to be the IFAC, I-F-A-K, Individual First Aid Kit. That's all it is. It's a first aid kit meant to be used on you as the individual. 
Everybody's got thoughts and opinions of what should go in there. Nobody's right or wrong because it really depends on the situation and what you're using them for. The important thing is this. If you're going to carry an IFAC that has more than just band-aids and maybe Tylenol, and you're going to upgrade things like tourniquets and chest seals and emergency bandages, commonly called Israeli bandage, although there's many types, and NPAs and all other items like this, you need to know how to use them, which means you need to have some sort of training. So if you don't know somebody that's a paramedic or medically trained from the military knows how to use these items, it's worth taking a class. I would find one that has some sort of tile that sounds like tactical combat casualty care, tactical emergency care, something along these lines, because they're going to have those items in there. You're going to pay for these classes. You're definitely going to put some money into it, but it's going to be worth your time to learn how to use these items properly and safely on yourself and on others. So it's one class I definitely recommend people put the money into. If you find multiple people teaching those classes in your area, definitely look at the curriculum and see what they're doing, how long it lasts, how much they're charging, and then call them and find out, well, how many hours are we actually putting into each item? Because it'll just tell you, hey, we know for six hours we might cover these three things. Like how much time are you putting into each item? Find that out. Don't just read reviews because the problem with reviews a lot of people like yourself go there, take these classes. They've never done this before. They learn a lot of stuff and they write these great reviews, not realizing the training could be garbage. What you want to find out is somebody has been to this class that is a professional or has been trained on this stuff that can give you an honest evaluation of how the training goes. Because the thing is, you can hurt people with some of these items. There's a right way to put an MPA in to make it quicker, safer, and save somebody's life. You can put a tourniquet on and think you're saving somebody's life and you're not helping them at all. You need to know how to put these bandages on yourself in case you're in a vehicle accident or any type of situation where you need to use it so you can properly not only save yourself but protect yourself from getting infection if the situation allows for it. So just make sure if you're going to carry medical items, treat them just as seriously as a firearm. You need to have training. Also, even if you take a class, you need to practice with these things regularly and it's even good to have people around you and your family know how to use them. So it's great if you take a class, let's say, and then you go buy the SIFAC you want, right? And then you just carry it. The problem is you can't use anything. So go online, go to eBay, buy some stuff that's from some former military guy, buy a second kit if you can afford it, buy the pieces individually, and get to the point where you have a second set of everything that's really important that you can practice with, including the bandage and the tourniquet and even a chest seal. The other thing, too, is eventually get to the point where you can have a second kit so that you can say carry it in your vehicle. That way, if you keep your primary kit somewhere, you don't have it, you have it back up in your vehicle. If you have your primary with you and you have to use an item out of there, you can replace it with something out of your backup kit in your vehicle. The most important thing though is to make sure you practice with it. I've seen a lot of guys and trained a lot of people on how to use these items and then put them in a simple scenario-based situation and hand them the item to use without even making them take it out of their own gear and they can't make it work because they don't practice with it and that can cost somebody their life. Another thing a lot of people carry sometimes are multi-tools. Multi-tools are great, I carry one sometimes, I have a few of those. One thing about a multi-tool is don't buy one because you think it's cool. Find out what's actually on there and is it stuff you're gonna use. You know, it's you wanna buy it because it's cool and you got the money, that, that's all you, but my recommendation is keep it simple. Buy a basic, well-made one. Buy a well-known company like Leatherman or Victrinox or Gerber. There's other ones out there. Take a look what's on there. What are you going to really use? You don't want to buy one that has 50 or 60 things on it, like those super huge Swiss Army knives that are completely impractical. You want something that's got basic tools and items on there that you believe you'll use in common everyday situations. They're actually one of the best items most people can carry on them. Because when I carry one around, if I get boxes in the mail, I'll use it to open up boxes. 
You can walk around with it. It's got some basic tools on there. You can fix minor repairs around your house. I seen the TV show alone. It's a survival TV show if you haven't seen it. One of the guys that won it early on, the item he chose to bring was a multi-tool, which most people never do, and he used it to make a bunch of stuff. He made a paddle boat. He was making tools. He was using everyday stuff around his fire. He also used it to make traps and building things while he's out there trying to survive in the woods and win some money. So they are pretty limitless in their capabilities for what they are. Just realize there's a lot of things you can do with them. I carried one in the military for years and overseas, and I use them all the time. People work in construction, different types of construction and blue-collar work fields tend to carry them all the time. I've used them just to do stuff on my vehicles, and I'm not a car guy. I've used them many, many times. So one of the things I would say, if there was one item you were going to get you wanted to start carrying every day, the one you would probably most likely use would be a multi-tool. Just make sure you get one that's good. They'll usually come with some sort of pouch and try those out. Take a look at them online and see which ones are best for you. Another thing about everyday carry that's kind of not tool related is money, cash, credit cards, these types of things. We've talked about them before. I'll just keep it simple as to say this. Most people I know, if they pull out their wallet, man or woman, everything they have is there, almost everything. They have a ton of credit cards for a ton of stores and a bunch of bank cards, their debit card, probably also a checkbook in some situations now, and maybe even some cash, as well as reward cards and God's know what else. It's really bad for a guy who carries one of these things, and I swear they walk with a limp because they're a five-pound wallet. But here's the thing. You lose it, it gets taken, you lost everything. So figure out how to split those items up and where you want to keep them so you always have backups, whether there's spares in your car. I know people say, well, I won't carry a backup credit card in my car because my cars get stolen. So, well, the odds your car's getting stolen is slim, but it's only one credit card, and you should have on record exactly what card's in there, and you should be able to call your bank and cancel it or stop it right away but it should be the least of your worries because somebody stole your car. But if they take your wallet or you lose your wallet or you leave your purse somewhere, you lose everything. How many different stores, bank accounts, credit accounts is that you'd have to contact? What do you really need to have on you? So let's say you have five credit cards and they say they all have at least a $500 to a $5,000 balance. You're going grocery shopping, unless you're buying a ton of liquor for a big party, you probably don't need that much on you. So you probably have your debit card and maybe a backup credit card in case there's something wrong with your debit card or vice versa to cover your grocery purchases. That's all you need. That's what I recommend people do. Carry what you need with something a little extra, but don't carry everything. It's no different than keeping a bunch of anything in one place and then losing it. Also, if you're a person that still has a checkbook that carries it, because I still have checks, I keep them for different reasons. But don't carry your checkbook around unless it's something you're going to be using that day. If it's not something you're regularly going to use a check for, don't carry your checkbook. That's more dangerous than your credit cards. It's a lot easier to reverse the credit card issues. With your checks and signatures, you got to do affidavits, all kinds of hassle there if you've never gone through it. Not to mention how many different places checks could be floated even now that you want to be careful with. Even in today's digital age, it's very dangerous. So don't carry a checkbook unless you know for sure you're going to be using it. And another thing you can even consider is... If you know you're going to go somewhere and you're going to write a check for this one specific purpose, take one check with you or maybe take two in case you're afraid you're going to screw the first one up. But you could always pre-fill it out to the best of your ability without signing it. Just depends on what you need to do. So keep that in mind. Don't carry the whole checkbook all the time and then really consider if you know you're going to write a check, do you need to take a stack of 50 checks with you or just need to take one? Another thing to look at is sunglasses, where I'm commonly down here in the Southwest, but a lot of people have sunglasses. And I get there's all kinds of things about style and design, and I'm not disregarding any of that. I'm just saying, if 
it's within reason financially for you and you don't care too much about style, even though a lot of these are stylish, I always recommend that you wear sunglasses that are ballistic eyewear. They have some ballistic capability or strength to them, even for some minor debris, especially if you're somebody that rides a motorcycle or rides with their top down on a car or is going to be out on a boat. A lot of things can fly into your eye. You break those cheap sunglasses and they're done for. If you're a person that commonly loses your glasses, you're probably losing other things too. So I would definitely look closely at that. Like, why are you losing them? How often are you wearing them? Are you keeping them on your head? Do you store them in the same place? You do your wallet, your keys, your phone. How's that working for you? Why are you losing those? Good sunglasses are worth their weight in gold. And they usually have better lenses. They're not just stronger. They're usually better for you. So buy something good, something that's going to protect your eyes and stop from debris going into them. I've seen plenty of people that always think that's never going to happen to them until the day it does. Something else I recommend for an everyday carry item that you at least keep in your car that a lot of people don't are some sort of gloves. And I'm not talking surgical gloves because you're worried about a virus. I'm talking about gloves that are some sort of work gloves that fit well to protect your hands. They're actually very helpful in a lot of situations. Let's say you get a flat tire, some minor vehicle repair. They can actually help you quite a bit and also protect your hands which is really good if you're out there by yourself and your hands make a difference to you in your everyday life. They're also great when you have to pop the hood, get inside there, drag things in and out, whatever you're doing. Work gloves are always good to have. doesn't matter how they're made or what they're made out of, but some sort of glove could be a game changer for you. So I always recommend that you have gloves. Little cuts on your hand are not only inconvenient and uncomfortable, it's a great way to get an infection and cause you problems and illness. So, while it's rare, think about it. You break down in the mountains. You got to try to stay up there for a day or two before you decide to walk out. You're doing A, B, and C, trying to survive, trying to make your way. You don't have clubs. You get a couple of nicks and cuts in your hand. And by the time you get back, see the doctors realize the reason you're feeling all funky and weird is because you got an infection going because you got a cut on your hand. So consider having at least gloves in your vehicle. They don't take up much space and you may never need them, but they're there if you do need them. Another EDC item I recommend people get if you can afford it is a burner phone, even just a cheap something that's pay by the minute gets a prepaid card for. Reason why I recommend that is unless you absolutely need your expensive phone or you're in a situation where you could damage it, a lot of people have damaged or lost their phones. You know, not everybody gets the insurance on them. And at the end of the day, the insurance doesn't matter after a few months because you're going to pay the same price anyway. But nice thing about the burner phone isn't just the fact that it's a burner phone. It's a good backup phone to use in a situation where you don't want to bring your regular phone along. So you don't want to worry about it getting taken. You don't want to worry about somebody having your real phone number. You're not going to sit there and play games. You don't need it. Most people really don't. They're just dependent on it. Maybe you just want to go out hiking and you're not far from your vehicle and you know your phone has service, but you don't want to take the smartphone. Not that you couldn't take the smartphone. There's great apps on it for that stuff. But having a burner phone is a good plan. It's also a good backup. The other thing, too, is any cell phone, even if it's not activated for service, as long as the battery's charged, it could call 911. So even if you just want to back up 911 phone, whether it's one or two, if you got old phones around your house, which a lot of people do, see if you got the power cord, charge them. See if you can get the charge. Now, you can do this if you want, but if you want to test it, all you got to do is call 911 and then just say, sorry, my kid grabbed the phone, anything like that. But you can test it out like that. I've done it with old phones. But then you can have a backup phone in your car as long as you got a card there to keep it charged. So you got a 911 phone call. Maybe you want to use that and give it to your kids or put it in a safe room or safe space in your house. Or maybe you just want to keep it in a storage unit as a backup phone that you check on every month and charge. 
That way, nobody can do anything with it except for dial 911. And then they can have it and use it for emergencies. And that could be a lifesaver, especially if you're in a house with kids where they can have access to a phone in case there's an intruder or a fire or any of these types of situations. So a backup phone or a brand new burner phone, always a good idea. Another item I always recommend that I don't think I talked about before that I've never seen on anybody's EDC anything anywhere, which I wonder about sometimes. One thing every person should have, and if you don't carry them on your person, they should be readily accessible. And this is really great driving anywhere, especially if you're in the middle of nowhere, if you're traveling by airplane, any of these types of things, is one backup pair of underwear. If you get stuck somewhere, like an airport for a day or two and a layover in the holidays, it can change your life and not only keep you healthy, it can make you feel better. Another thing, too, is if you're stuck out in the middle of nowhere, you get stuck in the woods, you're out there for two or three days, the one thing you should be able to change is your underwear to keep you healthy. Because as that builds up, there's naturally going to be moisture and sweat there. Bacteria starts to build. That spreads. You get rashes, all kinds of situations. So you should be able to change that underwear. So you may not have ever thought about it. Just make sure that backup pair of underwear, especially for women out there, is something sturdy and good that you can depend on. Not necessarily some sexy pair of lingerie. Something that would be practical if you were stuck in the woods somewhere, stuck in an airport away from people where you can't have regular use to showers can't get to your luggage, you're stuck somewhere, somebody's got to come get you, have something like that, it's going to keep you healthy and keep you safe and keep you sane. Another EDC thing I recommend people keep in their vehicle, this may not be something that you can practically carry on you all the time, is a, a little combination cleaning kit. So this is really great if you're going to be out camping or hiking, if you're going to be working a lot outside, you know, in the brush or something at the house, or if you have a job where you work with your hands, like say you're a mechanic or somebody that installs things, some sort of construction, one of the things I'd keep is a little cleaning kit. One is you can get an antibacterial bar of soap, but you have to depend on the fact of whether or not you have water. So usually I get some sort of cleaner that's more than a hand sanitizer that is antibacterial and medicinal in nature that um, medics or doctors use. That's so that if you get any wounds or anything, that's a situation where more than other people, you definitely would need to clean it. Then in that kit, what I would add is some simple Band-Aids. But on top of that, get yourself some Neosporin or something similar to it, whether it's Bactracin, whatever. Get something like this, even that uh, Protonsin gel, so that you can clean it up well. You have the appropriate, just simple Band-Aids, or maybe even a little bit of gauze if you think it's going to be that bad. And then you can apply the Neosporin or one of these other agents on there that help heal that wound, help keep it from getting infected, can kill the other stuff that's in there that you didn't clean out, and definitely can make your life a little bit better and keep your hands useful. But that's something you're probably going to carry in your car or your camping kit, whatever. I would just have that readily available. Also, when I go camping and when I'm around kids or my family, I keep that stuff available or I have them take it. And I show kids how to use it. I give them one of them tiny little tubes of Neosporin and the Band-Aid and say, look, if this happens... Here's all you got to do, and you're going to put a little bit of the Neosporin on there and put the Band-Aid on, and you find that kids can take care of themselves pretty well, and then you just have them come back and show you, and then you can check it. When looking at EDC items, there's a lot of videos and a lot of things out there, and a lot of people have opinions, and some have really, really good advice. It's great to watch all those and get some good input on there. The biggest thing is the closer the item is to a weapon, you definitely need to practice with it, train with it, and put hours and hours of time into it because you're using something with lethal or potential lethal force. You want to make sure you not only don't get yourself in trouble, that you're able to use it correctly, safely, and engage targets if needed to. 
the less like it is a weapon and more it is like a tool or something else. You need to know how to use the items on there and figure out how and when they're going to work for you and when the best time to carry them is. Items that are medical, you need to know how to use them, especially the more serious items. So Band-Aid, pretty simple. Tourniquet, take some practice. You need to know how to carry them, where to carry them, situations in which you'll need them, make sure they're accessible, and make sure the more important ones, even children know how to use. Other people know how to use, to use them on you or themselves if needed, even if you only have one kit. All the other items, whether it's survival items, clothing, whatever it is, you just need to know where it is and make sure you have the things that you're most likely going to need. If it's something you really think you could use every day, that's going to be closer to something you're going to keep on your body as much as possible. Whether it's a safety item, a weapon, or just something that makes sense for your job or what you're doing. The less likely it is like that, you're going to keep it in a backup location, which might be a bag you carry around, could be in your vehicle, or could just be something you have in your home that everybody knows where it is best thing we can always do is practice 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 make sure we're checking our stuff regularly especially things that we don't touch all the time to make sure they're still there and they're still working properly anything like this you store keep around you should be checking at least monthly and you should of course be inspecting things daily that you carry with you every day that you always got your hands on if you got any thoughts or ideas or any little tips and tricks you picked up on the lay please uh, share and comment on facebook or twitter wherever you're seeing this podcast Thank you for listening, and we'll have another podcast here for you shortly right here on Gray Man, Hiding in Plain Sight.